Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 48, entitled, Love is the Answer, Part 1. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in 1 Corinthians, actually. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the, the classic love chapter. We're going to be spending a while there, because as you're going to see, love is a serious major theme in the scriptures why did god send his son jesus because he loved the world right to save us to rescue us it's all run off of love and likewise as we progress in our relationship with god uh, you're going to find that love becomes the premium thing not just towards god but towards others so let's pray together first corinthians 13 is where we're going to be first three verses here in just a bit and uh, let's hear what god has to say to us today heavenly father we thank you for loving us and we thank you because you first loved us that we can now love first of all you but then also each other and that love will cure so many things uh, and it's going to be the basis of your eternal kingdom we're looking forward to that god where love is the the bottom line of everything lord it's, it's already is it already is uh, but there's coming a day in which it will be no, there will be nothing else thank you god Looking forward to that day. We pray, God, your blessings as we study together. Those who listen, those who study, God, open their eyes, help them to hear you, help them to uh, be changed as a result of their contact with you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to be in verses 1 through 3. Before we do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, a little baking um, um, lesson, if you will. Uh, I was going to bake a cake, and... I would need, of course, ingredients. I would need a cake pan. And so the basic ingredients of almost every cake is these things. You'll agree with me. I think flour, sugar, uh, eggs, uh, baking powder, uh, vanilla extract. So let's just say that I had these ingredients, these, these five things, and I dumped them into a pan. Am I ready to bake the cake? So I just take the flour and the sugar and the vanilla extract and the eggs and I baking powder and throw it in a pan and then throw the pan in the oven. Would that work? No. Uh, we're mixing because you just have piles of things. So the sugar's in a pile and the flour's in a pile and the baking powder's in a small pile. Vanilla's a little uh, brown dot. Uh, eggs are still eggs, you know. Uh, that's not... Even though you have all the right ingredients, that does not make a cake because you are missing maybe the most important ingredient. In fact, I would suggest to you, you could be missing, you could be somewhere less than the actual accurate ingredients for a cake and still have a cake as long as you had one of these. A mixer uh, uh, or, a, or a spoon. You know, we don't think of these things as ingredients. We assume that people would know uh, that, of course, you, you can't just dump these ingredients into a cake pan, put them in an oven, 350 degrees for however long. You have to have, they have to be mixed together. So regardless of how accurate your ingredients are, if they're not mixed, well, then you don't have a cake. Now, I could have something less or something too much sugar or too little vanilla extract or not enough flour or, or not the correct amount of baking, baking powder, but it, it, I can still have a cake. And it won't be the good, good cake, but I can still have a cake. But I can have everything 
exact and not mix them together, and I cannot have a cake. I will not have a cake. The spoon is the key. And I actually want to speak to you about a, not that recipe. I want to speak to you about a different recipe. I want to speak to you about the ingredients of a good church. What, what needs to be brought together to make a good church? I'm going to make a list of ingredients here. And there's more than these lists, but these are the big things. Sound Bible study. Would you agree? Important ingredient. Here we are studying the Bible. Of course, we believe that. Deep faith. God's called us to faith, has he not? Faithful use of our gifts and service to the body. Yes, definitely. Uh, a focus on outreach, certainly. Continuance in prayer, sacrificial giving, etc., etc. These things are all necessary ingredients. And in, in where we're lacking in one or the other or several, the, the less, if you will, will our cake, our, our, the ingredients of a good church, the, it'll be something less than what God intended it to be. With, with one exception, so, so if I told you I had a church that had all these things in the proper order and the proper, proper amount, would you join that church? I, I've got a church full of faith, I've got a church full of uh, uh, Bible study, full of uh, outreach focus, full of prayer, full of sacrificial giving, would you join that church? Well, you probably would because you would assume, like we do when we are making a cake, that it's all mixed together, right? But what if you had all those ingredients but you did not have, here's the spoon, Here's the mix. What if you didn't have love to mix it all together? Of what good are all those things if we don't love each other? And would you not also agree with me that we can be somewhere less than the level we should be in those different areas? But if we have love, it makes up for a lot of things. But you can be perfect in those things and not have love, and you're going to be in big trouble. I have certainly seen churches with seemingly all the right ingredients. They've got great preaching, great teaching. They've got great service. They've got gifted people. They have incredible worship. And yet the church falls apart because, because there's a lack of love. Without that spoon, without that mixer, the church will not make it. What are the ingredients for a good church. You can't do it without love. And of course, that's our theme here in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul just gets off a chapter of the, the gifts and how important they are, and certainly they are. But he says, I want to speak to you about something greater. A more excellent way, he says there at the end, the last verse of chapter uh, 12. He says, verse, verse 1 of 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, there's the gifts. But do not love, I have become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries, I mean, listen to the categorical statements that he's making here. All mysteries, if that's even possible? Anybody ever known all the mysteries? He says, if it were possible. And I did. I had the gift of prophecy and knew all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith. Wow, wouldn't you want that? Shouldn't we all have, be, be, shouldn't, isn't it true that we should be pushing toward having as much faith as we could possibly have? He says, listen, if I had it all, every bit of it, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. As important as the ingredient of faith is, as important as the, as the ingredient of gifts are, without love, zero. 
And if I give all my, I possess, all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, I mean, it's self-sacrificing, right? But do not have love. It profits me nothing. He gives you here basically uh, all the ingredients for what you would otherwise consider to be a very religious life. But it's possible, he says, to have all the right ingredients and all the proper measures and then for it to add up to absolutely zero. Without love, without love, that's what happens. Love is the most important ingredient such that we can lag in any other area. We can have less outreach than we should, less faith than we should, yes, less use of the gifts. Uh, uh, we can miss out on, on really the importance and the critical importance of prayer. We can be missing some of these things, or, or less than we should be on some of these things. But if we don't have love, no more church. No more function. Ceases to exist. We might as well, we're just the same as nothing. Let, let's hear what Jesus has to say on this topic. Look with me here at John chapter 13, verse 35, down here in the corner of the screen. By this, all will know. Again, these major categorical statements. There's some massive categorical statements with regards to love in your scriptures. Watch. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Now, how would you fill in this blank if you didn't know the rest of the sentence? You might say doctrine. I mean, we're Baptists, right? Doctrine, big doctrine. Bible, 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 Bible. Of course, I've got all kinds of degrees in the Bible. I'm not against that at all. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't be about doctrine. Uh, 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 our giftedness, you know, and the usefulness, and we need to have gifted people leading and, and, and uh, ministering in the proper areas, certainly, but that's not what it says. Uh, our worship, how important our worship is. We put so much emphasis on worship and our worship building. <coughs> we spend a lot of money. <coughs> Excuse me. I still have a cough issue. But if we have all those things and don't have love, what good is it? And if we're missing some of those things or have less than those things, what it it's not going to matter near as much. Notice again, by this, all will know that you are my disciples <coughs> if you have love for one another. So how are they going to know? How does the world know that we belong to Jesus? Not by our doctrine. Not by our worship. Not by our stained glass. Not by whatever degrees your preacher has or whatever seminary he graduated from or whatever denomination you're affiliated with. That, even though we think... Those things matter, and I'm not saying they're not important. They don't matter near as much as love. Look at our physical bodies, as an example. They have many viable systems. You have the muscular system, you have the digestive system, you have the nervous system, you have the circulatory system, you have the respiratory system, etc. Without the spirit, though, even though all these systems are working fine, if there's no spirit in that body, the body is dead. So I have 100% system function, but no spirit, guess what? Poof. Got no life. Got no life. I, I, I thought about a, a church without the spirit of love in it and reminded me of, a, of uh, when I lived outside a pastor outside of Laredo, there was a junkyard not very far outside the, uh, the city limits of Laredo, and it was for cars, basically. But it had a big sign out in the front, and it said, used body parts. Used 
body parts was just like, okay, well, you got to check and make sure, what, what are we talking about here? You could put that sign, unfortunately, on a lot of churches. Just parts, nothing to stir them together. Not real love, not real commitment to each other, not loving each other from the heart, and that's what you've got. A church without love is like a body without a spirit. It's clinically dead. So let's, let's consider another angle here, Galatians chapter 5. It's going to be down again here in the corner of your screen. Galatians 5, verses 20 through 23, popular, well-known verse. The fruit of the Spirit. Notice, it. well, it's, first of all, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice, first of all, what it doesn't say in the same, same way that we need to notice what Jesus didn't say will show us to be his disciples. Notice what doesn't say that the Spirit lives in us. Because we have gifts doesn't say that the Spirit lives in us. Because we have sound doctrine doesn't say. How, what is fruit anyway? How, how do you know what a tree is? Well, leaves can look very similar. A trunk can look very similar. The, the, the way that the, 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 the bush or the plant looks can be very similar to other bushes or plants or trees. But when it produces fruit, then you know what you actually have. It's very instructive living down here in the valley because we have citrus uh, trees. Citrus trees all look the same. You cannot walk up to a citrus tree and say, that is an orange or that is a lemon or that is a grapefruit. You can't do that until they produce fruit because the leaves, the trunk, the bark look exactly the same. The, the, the flowers, exactly the same. But when they start producing fruit, then you know, I got myself a lemon or I got myself a navel orange or or whatever. Likewise, how do we know that the Spirit of God is in our lives? You don't know it by their gifts. Gifts can be um, counterfeited by the devil. We talked about that. If you haven't gone through our, our gift study this past uh, chapter, I would recommend that to you. Very important. The gifts do not take a very high rank. Not, certainly not above the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, and it's also interesting here, look carefully at that verse again down here, in the corner. The fruit of the Spirit, the construct of the Greek in that verse is, is important for you to grasp, for, for us to grasp. The fruit of the Spirit actually is love. It's actually singular. It's not plural. We, we hear all these other things, but they actually, in the construct of the Greek, each one of the words after love are a modifier of love. That reads this way, the fruit of the Spirit is love that is characterized by joy. We could say that's a better way to translate it, actually, better but the thrust of the Greek, actually. The fruit of the Spirit is love that is characterized by joy, characterized by peace, characterized by patience, characterized by kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. It is love. How do we know that this is a tree produced by the Spirit, if you will? By love. Nothing else. Nothing else. Not by your faith, not by your prayer, not by your doctrine, not by your gifts, not by your outreach, not by your missions, not by any of those things. It's the same thing that Jesus said. How will they know your disciples? By our love for one another. Nothing else. Nothing else. We, we do regular emphasis on these different ingredients as we, as we should. Outreach, we should emphasize that. Missions, doctrine, giving. Using of gifts, faith, prayer, these should all be emphasis. We preach on these things, we teach on those things, and, and I'm, I'm not apologizing for that at all. 
But, and by the way, we also report on these things at a denominational level, how, how many people were saved, I mean, you know, this, that, we have all these different categories that we report on, but my question to you and I, and to them, is where's the category where we rank love? Because it's the most important thing. Above everything else, what's your love level? What's, the real health of the church is not how many got baptized, it's not how, how many are attending, it's what is your love level? Where is it? It's a seven or an eight or a ten or, or, or a four or none? What is it? And you've heard my opinion or my position on love, and, and I back it up with some scriptures, but let's, let's continue to hear what the writers of the New Testament and the speakers of the New Testament have to say. Here we have Paul, of course, very clear treatise on, on his position <coughs> concerning love. Excuse me. What about John? Here's John. Look at what John has to say. This is John uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. He has a lot to say, almost as much as Paul. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God. And boy, this is a huge statement. It's categorical again. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Notice, not that they pass a doctrinal test, they pass a practice test. Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? So what's the definition of a Christian? One in whom the Spirit of God dwells. How do you know he's there? Love. The one who does not love does not know God. Because why? God is love. One of the three major statements in the New Testament of qualifying who God is, and we're going to get to that in just a bit, but God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed to us that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. He goes on there in verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one who has ever seen God, if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. Wow, what a statement. How is that? I mean, John mentions love or the consequences of love 45 different times in the small letter of 1 John. How important is love to John? Obviously, clearly. So we have Paul, we have John. Here's Peter. 1 Peter 4 8, not a lot of words, but very clear. Same position these other guys have. Above all, keep fervent in your love. For one another, because love, notice not doctrine, not our worship services, not the education of our pastor, not our beautiful buildings, not all these other things that we put so much time, energy, sweat, money into. None of those things but love. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Sins are issue. It's our problem. And it's love that enables us to undo it. We got every Sunday we gather together in Sunday school and in church a bunch of sinners. So if we don't have love, we're not going to make it. Like I said, it's it's the same as a body without a spirit. So we have Paul, we have John, we have Peter, we have we've already heard from Jesus, but let's hear some more from Jesus. Matthew chapter 22. <coughs> Jesus said to him, two greatest commandments, right? You shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Single thing. All you got to do. All your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, that is, greatest commandment, is like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these. This, again, categorical statement. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Every book of the Old Testament hangs on these two commandments, that we love God, that we love our neighbor. Love God and love our neighbor. So, so the entire Old Testament hangs on love, right? So what does the New Testament hang on? Hangs on the Old Testament, which of course hangs on love. What does the church hang on? Well, the church hangs on the New Testament, and the New Testament hangs on the Old Testament, and the Old Testament hangs on love. Love is it. You cannot overstate the importance of it. You cannot overstate how incredibly vital it is for a congregation, for a church, for the body of Christ. It hangs on it. You're probably familiar, or maybe you're not, with the temperature, 274 degrees minus Celsius. Are you? It's the same as minus 460 degrees Fahrenheit. It's what is otherwise referred to as absolute zero. Absolute zero is when a material of any kind, anything, is completely devoid of warmth. It's when all molecular movement stops. It is the deadest that a substance or that a thing can be when it reaches absolute zero. Well, spiritual absolute zero is to be or do anything without love. It's absolute zero. Paul says, I can have all these things to the nth degree measure. But if I don't have love, he says, I'm nothing. We are nothing if we do not have love. So let's consider here briefly the categories, like I said, again, categorical statements. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, this is not just talking about tongues, he's getting off a chapter that ended in tongues. He's talking about all the spiritual gifts. If I have all these spiritual gifts, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or clanging symbol. Again, how do we know that the Spirit of God lives in a person's life? Not by the gifts. Gifts can be counterfeited. Tongues is one of the worst ones because obviously the devil can speak in other tongues. So just because a person can speak by a spirit in tongues does not make them from God. Be careful. A person has a gift of teaching or the gift of preaching or whatever does not mean they're from God. Be careful. But you show me someone who produces through their life true godly love, and I will show you a person in whom the Spirit of God rests, to be sure. Absolute zero without love. Another thing that's absolute zero is knowledge. Without the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if that were possible, to know all these things. And I have faith that moves mountains, he says, but have not love. I am nothing. It, 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 it certainly answers the question of whether or not our knowledge can cure our society's problems. The resounding answer is no, cannot. Cannot cure the problem in our churches. All they just need to know more. No, they don't. They need to love more. Need to love. It's great to know stuff. But knowing stuff won't fix anything. You just know how wrong you are and you can't do anything about it. Again, knowledge doesn't change it. Faith, extreme faith, unmistakable up front to any of us who thinks that God is impressed by our spiritual prowess. Hmm. Unbounded generosity. If I have faith that moves mountains but have not love, and if I give my possessions to the poor... And, and offer my body to the flames. In other words, total self-sacrifice. But have not love. I understand 
Real love is self-sacrificing, but not all self-sacrifice is love. Not true love. Sometimes people sacrifice themselves out of self-love. Not loving someone else. They're wanting to make an impression. Even unbounded generosity and self-sacrifice is not necessarily love. So it's possible that we suffer from a little pride problem. Because I think I'm speaking to a bunch of people who probably know the Bible pretty well. Walk with the Lord pretty much. And uh, think they're doing okay, have a solid faith. But the stark truth is, is we are nothing without love. Absolute zero. Without love, we're fakes. We're, we're phonies, not at all who we think we are if we don't have love. And this love can only be produced by God. It only comes one place. It comes from the abiding. It comes, again, back to this whole issue of the gifts and other things. To my complete surrender to the Spirit of God so that He can work through my life what only He can do. I cannot generate this love. This is God's love. I can generate self-love, selfish love, <coughs> but not God's kind of love. Not selfless love. I cannot. So only one of three great pronouncements that we have of God in the New Testament. God is spirit. <coughs> Those who worship Him are, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is light. <coughs> and in Him there is no darkness at all. God is love. The three major pronouncements of the character of God, and one of those three is love. How are you doing with that? How, how do you know you're walking with God? Because man, that's what comes out. If you're not walking in love, hey, I don't care how good your church attendance is, how strong your Bible study is, it's not making it to the heart. Because from the heart, the Spirit works, produces His fruit. I ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray together. <coughs> God, we thank you for hearing us. God, we thank you for teaching us. Forgive us, God, but we have gotten the priorities out of rank. It's not that we don't have these ingredients, but somehow we think some are more important than nothing is more important than love. That you've loved us, that's why you sent your son. That we can love you back because he's redeemed us, he's changed us. And now he sent his spirit in us to, to, to help us feel and be just like you. And so that now we can love each other. God, I pray for Island Baptist. I pray for those who are listening, not a part of this church, but part of churches somewhere. God, that the world would know who we really are because of our surrender to the Spirit, which is demonstrated by the love that is produced in us. Thank you so much for this teaching. We ask your blessings over chapter 13, Lord, as we dig deep into it and hear what you have to say. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.